Good morning, church. Um, Today's reading is from John chapter 10, verse 22 to 42. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said, You are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, Though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Thanks, Laura. I was uh, listening to the radio on the way to work the other day, and I heard a song which I found out is quickly becoming uh, a massive hit. Uh, it's by an Aussie girl uh, called Shaylee Carnot, or Kernow, Kernow, uh, or better known to her TikTok friends as Peach PRC. Uh, the song is called God is a Freak. Uh, it pokes fun at the, uh, the many inconsistencies that she sees in the way that God seems to be so focused on human sexual desires while he lets war, famine and disease kill people around the globe. And so uh, the chorus goes like this. God is a bit of a freak. Like, what's the fixation on hating the way he creates? So why would I spend my eternity with God when he's a freak? And it's pretty clear she's having a go Uh, not just at any God, but at the God of Christianity. He's definitely not the God she wants. And maybe uh, you felt something similar at some time. Maybe you love uh, some things that you've come to know about God and Jesus, but other things uh, you're just not sure about because they seem to run contrary to what you think is good and right and to what pretty much everyone else thinks is good and right. And so maybe you wouldn't out and out say that God is a freak, but perhaps you find yourself wondering at his, at his strangeness sometimes. 
you know, you should be respectful, but you do wonder why it is he is the way that he is. Why it is he allows certain things to happen in life, in your life. Why it is that he causes so much strife amongst some people. Why it is he's right and when you feel so strongly that he's not and you find yourself maybe tempted to chuck it in with him or tempted to fret it while you don't have as much peace with him as you'd like. But maybe, just maybe, although he not, might not always be the God that you want, he's actually the God you need. Which is what we're going to be looking at together uh, today in the passage that we just read. To see firstly that Jesus is the Messiah we need. Because secondly, he's God come to give us eternal life as the Lamb of God with the Holy Spirit, which is the third point. But first a recap on where we're up to in the Gospel of John. So from the beginning of John, uh, we get introduced to Jesus as God. Come in the flesh. Come to save people. And he starts gathering a bunch of disciples around him and doing some incredible things, turning uh, water into wine, angrily clearing the temple courts, telling a woman uh, everything she ever did, despite he, uh, her never meeting him before, uh, healing a man's son with just a word, uh, healing a lame man of uh, 38 years, uh, again with just a word, uh, feeding thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two little fish, talking about how whoever believes in him will not die in their sins and how he is the bread of life and the light of the world, healing a a blind man who was born blind and then getting along to the temple uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles with a bunch of people around and religious leaders as well and saying he'll lay down his life for his people as a good shepherd lays down his life to save his sheep from a wolf so he will lay down his life to save people. Unlike the Pharisees and the religious leaders who he actually likens to robbers and thieves. Unlike them, Jesus says he'll not only lay down his life for his people, he will raise it up again, as God his Father has commanded uh, him to do for his people. But uh, this divides people. Some think he's stark raving mad, even demon-possessed, and others say, well, that can't be the case because of what they've seen him do, like heal a blind man who had been born blind. Which brings us to the temple again in Jerusalem uh, during another festival uh, and our first point. uh, Jesus is the Messiah we need. Not necessarily the one we want. Which was the dilemma for the Jews at the time as the story takes us to uh, the festival of dedication at the temple uh, during winter, we're actually told, which is probably why Jesus was walking in Solomon's colonnade of the temple. There was more shelter there. But the feast of dedication uh, in Hebrew, Hanukkah, Uh, It's an interesting one. Hanukkah is still celebrated um, in Israel. Uh, In Jesus' day, uh, it was to remember the rededication of the temple 170 years earlier by a zealous Jew, Judas Maccabeus, Maccabeus, uh, and his family. The king of the the Seleucid Empire, Antiochus, uh, he desecrated the temple. He'd set up an altar to Zeus in it and sacrificed a pig on it. Uh, And this was just... Uh, This and many other things was just too much for these religious Maccabees. Uh, They revolted, took back Jerusalem, cleansed the temple so the Jews could go and freely worship uh, God there again, uh, which was a state of affairs that remained all the way up to Jesus' day. And so you can imagine then, at this time of Hanukkah, remembering this, uh, imagine with all the talk of Jesus, all the incredible things that people have seen him do or heard of, all the things they've seen, heard him say in unmistakably religious terms, and here it is, Hanukkah, 
And maybe they're hoping that he's the promised Messiah in terms like the Maccabees. That the time for Israel to push off the yoke of their oppressor Rome has come with Jesus to lead the charge and and they're keen for him to uh, get on with it. So they corner him and say in verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. But Jesus, he's a bit cagey. He says, well, I did tell you, but I didn't, but you didn't believe. Even though he hasn't explicitly said, told the Jews that he's the Messiah. He reckons they should have picked it up from what he's been doing, from his miracles and signs, the works he's saying he's doing in the Father's name. But they're not buying what he's selling. He's not the Messiah they want, so they don't believe him. And he says, verse 26, but you're not, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Jesus is not the Messiah they want. And so they're not his sheep. They're not his people. And surely that's a fair thing to point out because they're on the Maccabean flock, you know, all guns and glory. And that's not what Jesus is on about. In not so many words, he's saying he is the Messiah. It's just not the one that they want. Because the things he's been doing don't point to raising up an army, getting rid of the Romans and re-establishing the geopolitical nation of Israel. The point, they point to something far more important and far more long-lasting, as Jesus goes on in verse 27. My, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will, shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus has come to give eternal life to people who follow him. And the nature of that eternal life is where God the Father and Jesus work together like two hands embracing people, uh, protecting them and guarding them such that nothing and no one can snatch them away from from them. Not their sins, not death, nothing. Eternal life then is being safe and secure in the hands of God the Father and Jesus. It's about being with God through Jesus and Jesus' miracles and his signs. They show that he's been sent from God to give people more than just a better version of the life they're already living. They show that he gives eternal life with God. But for those who only want a better life here and now, like the Maccabean mob, or for those who are happy with the life they've currently got here and now, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he's either a disappointment or he's a threat. I mean, that's certainly what our TikTok friend, Peach PRC, thinks. The life Jesus is offering with God is a threat to the life she's enjoying now, and so she calls God a freak. Like the bogan who cuts you off in traffic and flips the bird at you because you dare to honk your horn at them, uh, they know they're doing the wrong thing, but they'll do life their own way anyway. Thanks very much. But that kind of life, it's not going to last. It can't last. Because death is coming for us all. And beyond that, We've got no control over how we live. Whatever we were putting our hopes in uh, for a better life, whatever we're doing to please ourselves, it'll all be stripped away and we'll be left exposed before God. Nowhere to hide from our guilt for the rubbish way we treated him. No way to ignore him. No escape from suffering the consequences of treating him so badly. It'll be eternal misery. But Jesus doesn't want this for anyone. He wants to give people eternal life in the loving embrace of God, to save them from a godless life lived 
now and eternal misery then. He may not be the saviour many want who are either looking for a better life without him in it or happy with the life here and now without him in it but he's the Messiah we all need if we're going to enjoy eternal life. And we can trust him to deliver on this because he's not just sent from God, he is God, personally come to give us eternal life, which is the second point. And something he hints at uh, in verse 30 there where he says, I and the Father are one. But the Jews, they're not really happy about this. They go to stone Jesus for saying it because it's blasphemy, they say. Verse 33, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. But Jesus comes back with a little bit of a Bible trivia for them, quoting from Psalm 82 in the Scriptures. And we read verse 34, Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your own law? I have said you are gods. If you called them gods to whom the word of God came, and Scripture can't be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I'm God's son. Now, by quoting the scriptures, quoting Psalm 82 here, Jesus makes the point that the word God, it can be legitimately used to refer to others than God himself, particularly to the sons of God, at the time, the Jews. And if that's the case for those who don't live up to the title, how much more Jesus, the one set apart by the Father and sent into the world doing perfectly all the Father wants. So based on their own scriptures then, Jesus can't be faulted for calling himself God's son. But he knows that they're not going to be won over by uh, a little bit of Bible, and so he asks them to honestly then take a look at the things he's been doing, to look and see if they're at odds with God, with, with his father. Verse 36, he says, Don't believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Jesus is keen, he's super keen for these guys to to look closely at the miracles he's been doing, to check to see if, uh, if they're not, in fact, what God the Father wants, in line with who God is and what he wants, so that they might know and understand that the Father is in him and he is in the Father. He wants them to know this deeply and constantly because he knows this is the only way to eternal life. But clearly they don't want to know. To them, not only is Jesus turning out not to be the Messiah they want, he's making himself out to be God, which he is, but not in competition with the one true God, as they think. He's one with God the Father as his Son. But those listening don't understand this. They can't understand this, and so they won't try. They're in a lynching mood, and so they try and seize him, uh, but he escapes. Sadly, uh, what they don't know is it has to be this way. (laughs) If anyone is going to get eternal life with God, Jesus has to be God. Because if he's not, then he's a creature, uh, just like the rest of us. And as such... He must be external to God, altogether different from his being and foreign to him. As such, he can't bring about any authentic knowledge of God. If Jesus isn't God, then we're still in the dark about who God is in himself. But if Jesus is one with God, who is his Father, and he is in the Father as the Father is in him, then to believe in Jesus is to believe in God and to know 
Jesus' Father as our Father. And this, this is eternal life, to know God the Father and the Son eternally for us and with us. Profoundly then, in Jesus we have God himself come to give us eternal life with him. If you look up the top ten people who claim to be God, you get crazies like uh, Marshall Applewhite, David Koresh and Jim Jones who all end up abusing people uh, and leading many to untimely and tragic deaths. You could be forgiven uh, for thinking that anyone claiming to, to be God just can't be trusted. That was certainly the case for the Jews at the time of Jesus. They hated him for saying so. But Jesus points to the miracles he's doing and how he's healing the broken feeding hungry thousands, making the blind see. And it's hard to see in these a madman or or a murderer. I don't know anyone who'd lump Jesus in with the likes of Jim Jones. But it's equally hard to say a mere man did these things that that Jesus did. And so his claims to be God, they, they need to be taken seriously because eternal life is at stake if if he is. Jesus is God, come to give us eternal life. So Jesus is the Messiah we need because he's God come to give us eternal life as the Lamb of God by the Spirit, with the Spirit, which uh, brings us to the last point. Uh, After Jesus escapes the lynching in Jerusalem, he goes back across the Jordan River where uh, John the Baptist was in the early days. And we read from verse 40, There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, Though John never performed a sign... All that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. And what did John say about Jesus? Well, a bunch of things, but here are two stands-outs. Firstly, that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And secondly, that he will baptise with the Holy Spirit. And while it's hard to know uh, how much of those back then there and then understood this, nonetheless they believed in Jesus, which is why John tells us here uh, about this in this part of John, that we might believe in Jesus too. As we feel the weight and the wonder of who Jesus is, the Messiah we need, God himself come to give us eternal life, firstly as the Lamb of God. As it goes, As we know, Jesus sacrifices himself on a cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. If God didn't come to us in Jesus to make our human nature, our sin and our death his own to save us, he could never have reconciled himself to us. Only if God himself were directly and immediately engaged in the suffering and death of Jesus could it be done for others as the means to save them. In this, Jesus' death could be said the greatest of miracles because unbelievably there on that cross God is crucified and dies that we might live. Jesus is the Messiah we need as God comes to give us eternal life as the sacrificial lamb. But also as he comes with the Holy Spirit. As John the Baptist says of Jesus earlier in John, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is the Son of God.
The Holy Spirit is God, as is the Son, as is the Father. One God, three persons. God the Son became a man, the man Jesus, that John the Baptist identifies, and it's upon this man the Holy Spirit comes down and makes himself at home, dwelling in humanity. While at the same time, the man becomes accustomed to receive God and have him dwelling in him. And so for that man to baptise with the Holy Spirit is to unite people to him by the Holy Spirit, unite them to his humanity, that's no stranger to receiving God and having him dwell there in the flesh. So, so to believe in Jesus is to receive God in the person of the Holy Spirit into our very bodies. And through the humanity of Christ, the Holy Spirit unites us humans to God the Son, who is one with God the Father. No wonder uh, the Apostle Paul says what he says about the Holy Spirit. When he says, for you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies, himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. To believe in Jesus, it's to receive the Holy Spirit from Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings us into the very life of God. He testifies with our own spirit that we're, that we're part of the family. And in uniting us to Jesus the Son, his Father is now our Father, such that we can intimately and personally call him Abba, Dad. And this is eternal life. To know God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and to know him as our dear Father in the Son by the Holy Spirit. My uh, wife's wedding ring, I think, is the best design ring ever, ever made. When Megs first showed me a picture of it, uh, I, I loved it, I fell in love with it. Uh, it's just so clean and so clever. And when we had to look at it uh, in the shop, I only loved it more as I kind of felt the weight of it and uh, traced the precision of the design with my fingers. And I'm still impressed by it. Uh, the more I examine it and feel it, the more I admire it. It's beautiful to me. And God in Jesus is a bit like this. Because he's not only the Messiah we need, he's God himself come to give us eternal life in all the splendour and beauty of his being as Father, Son and Spirit. And the more that we examine Jesus and the way that he saves, the more we see him revealing who God is and the beauty and the richness and the complexity and the genius and the wonder and the love of God, our precious Father in the Son by the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, there was a couple that I didn't really think much of. Uh, but recently, someone told me their oldest boy has grown up to be an absolute gem. And he didn't come from nowhere. His parents would have clearly played some part in that, so it's given me reason to check my thinking on them. And maybe in a similar way, it might be worth seeing the gem that is Jesus and to check any unhappy thoughts you might have on God, his Father. And rather than jumping to judge him on what he isn't doing for us right now, uh, spend time instead reflecting on who he is in Jesus. Maybe by reading John carefully, personally, and with others in a, in a growth group. Maybe by picking up a good Christian book on who God is, on the Trinity, 
on the work of Jesus so that we might see more and more that Jesus is the Messiah that we need. God himself come to give us eternal life by laying down his life for us as the Lamb and making his loving Father ours by the Holy Spirit. And so to cherish this this beautiful God of ours together, I thought that we could say the, the Nicene Creed together. So we're going to do that now, all right? And it will be up on the screen if you don't know it off by heart. <laughs> we believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us people and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.